and welcome to the 27th episode of the Sad Nas CEDH Podcast. Tonight, we are recapping Silicon Dynasty, Eminence Gaming's recent tournament. I'm Kian, otherwise known as Varless, and joining me today, as always, is 03 Adam, better known as Poppy Phobia. Hey, what's up, everybody? Sorry for the peaked audio there from Kian. Joining me today is the Silicon Dynasty reigning champion, Ben Loeb, a.k.a. Benzie Loeb. Hey, what's up, everyone? And Eminence caster, Adam's partner for the event, Shauna, otherwise known as Phantom Legion. Hello. With that out of the way, Adam, I think we have some triggers to resolve in our upkeep. Yeah, thank you, Kian. So to start, we're going to shout out all of our high-tier patrons. So thank you to Doot, Usable Object, Senator Tom, Scorish, Unorthodox Bird, Jeff Bezos, Domino, Geos Justin, and our two Chad Nas patrons, Just Ice and Valhalla C. If you'd like to become a patron, you can do so at patreon.com slash sadnaws, where you can earn amazing per- perks like your name in the episode of a podcast. We have signed playmats, signed foil ad nauseums, and even a guest appearance on an episode. Other than that, Punt City 2 is happening March 25th and 26th in Phoenixville, Pennsylvania. It's an event being held by our very own Eminence MTG. Shauna and I work for them. All four of us that you see on your screen at home on the toilet right now, uh, we are all going to be there. So if you're uh, watching, you want to hang out with us, you want to, you know, test your deck against the reigning champ of Eminence Events, Ben Z. Loeb, you can do that there at Punt City 2. Uh, so tickets have sold out, but you can get on the waiting list. Otherwise, if you have a ticket, we are going to see you there. Other than that, don't forget to smash that like button, hit subscribe. If you're listening on a podcast platform like Apple Podcasts or Spotify, make sure you leave us a review and a rating because it'll help us reach new audiences. And with that, we're going to move on to our main phase. So for our main phase today, we are going to recap Silicon Dynasty. It was the first in-person event of 2023. It was the first CEDH tournament of 2023. So we're going to get some insights from both the champion of that event, Benzi Loeb, and the casting crew of Shauna and I, because we got to see everything. So uh, with that being said, we're going to get right into it. So Shauna, Ben, let's start with Shauna first. How'd you like Silicon Dynasty? Like, how was it? What were your thoughts? I mean, yeah, it was pretty great. I wasn't at Pond City, but I was told that it went really well. I had high expectations for what the Eminence team was capable of, and I knew that that kind of like high bar of expectations would go down significantly once I joined. But it wasn't that bad. Um, we did a little. We did. We did struggle a little bit in the beginning, but once we get um, monitors that are bigger than a small box, we'll be good. And once we, you know, cart all our equipment back and forth correctly, I think it'll be much better. But in terms of like the flow of the tournament, I think Zane was just kicking back, helping us stream and stuff like that, just because he had done all of his work done in advance. And he was pretty prepared. The tournament in general flowed pretty well, while the stream may have struggled a little bit. But in terms of the competition, I think that all I've heard so far is that in comparison to East Coast, West Coast is a little bit lacking, but that's not something that we can uh, fix or adjust. I think it's just something that you have to be ready for when you come to the West Coast and you play because you'll see some loose magic and <laughs> that's something you have to compete against just like any other deck. So, yeah, I know that uh, like in the community in general, people are like, well, the East Coast and the Midwest produce some of the best players. Shauna, 
what do you identify as? Are you an East Coast player or a West Coast player? Or are you a Midwest player? Because, you know, it can, it's kind of a toss-up, and there's a negative connotation with one. So which one would you like to claim? Yeah, I think I moved to the West Coast for a year for a reason. I really picked up everything I know currently from there. Um, yeah, I lost Max Masters yesterday to a mind break trap. So I think I'm really settled into the, into the West Coast magic career. Yeah, <laughs> okay. I really belong there. <laughs> so for people that don't know, Shauna and I are new to Eminence's team. Um, like Shauna actually was brought onto the team before I was, and then I was brought onto the team after the fact. So Silicon Dynasty was our first event as a, as a, as a West coast team. Um, it was uh, a little hairy at first. We, 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 it was a rough start for us cause we've never done anything like this before. But once we got into the swing of things, um, it, it, it was pretty, pretty awesome. I think I had an amazing time like casting the event. I think the event went really, really well. And uh, things were just fun. It was like a really good time. And we got to watch the journeys of a lot of players that we're friends with or fans of, like, progress through this tournament. People like Alana and Ben and um, other players. Anthony, Nick. Yeah. yeah Callahan, stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, Vasher. Yeah, Vasher's journey to top four. Yeah, Yeah. it was really, really cool. So, So I think the event went, like, really, really well. Ben, how about you? Like, what were your takeaways from Silicon Dynasty? Did you have a lot of fun? Was it what you expected? You went to Punt City One, which was the first event that Eminence has held. So, like, what in comparison, what did you think about it? So, Punt City was already so great that I had really high expectations, and I would say that they were met. Uh, when I went to Silicon Dynasty, first of all, everyone was super friendly. Everyone on staff, all the judges, all the players. There was a great sense of uh, camaraderie and just. Uh, Everyone really excited for this event with high expectations, and they were they were filled. Um, there were uh, a lot of really fun games. All the players, uh, I, I think most of the players played very well and uh, take the, took their losses well. There was good sportsmanship. Um, I, I was really happy with really every single part of the event. So, do you so you don't agree necessarily with the low play quality of the West Coast players, or do you have some input on that? I think, I think that the meta is a little less developed in the West Coast, and that's completely. I would chalk that up to uh, just fewer tournaments on the West Coast. Mm. Um, I think that as we see uh, Eminence make more events and we see more tournament results, I think they're actually going to catch up. And yeah. uh, as far as play goes, I think that I think that I don't have enough examples to really say, okay, West Coast is worse. I think like one or two players maybe made some misplays, but I, I, I think that I, I can't, I, I don't want to chalk it up to West Coast. Okay. No, that's fine. I'm baiting you on that question because <laughs> there's like, there's like all this Twitter drama between East Coast versus the West Coast and like who's who can gatekeep CDA charter. So like, yeah, I'm totally baiting you with that question. Some, but I think you brought up some really good points. So the first one being the West coast has historically not had a lot of large CDH events. Now, Shauna, you can kind of attest to this. The big store in the West coast is like what Finch and Sparrow, right? Finch and Sparrow in long beach. Yeah. So I moved to LA to work at the command zone for a while. And I was just like looking on Reddit for places to play. And Finch is the one that comes up. And there's like, there's, you know, smaller stores like Turn Zero and stuff like that. But there's no CDH presence 
basically anywhere except for that place. Um, and Long Beach is a bit of a commitment. If you want to go anywhere in LA, you have to commit at least an hour. Long Beach, you have to commit an hour and a half. So it was uh, like every other Saturday, you're just like taking your whole day to go there. But they have a really consistent turnout of like 30 to 35 players. But I think the major difference is not only lack of tournament presence, but the value of tournament play in general. Basically focusing around like the prevalence of proxies. So Finch and Sparrow was not allowing most cards to be proxy. They had a small proxyable list, which is basically just reserve cards or reserve list cards plus X other spells that the players might have been interested in. But this this list was like 20 cards, 25 cards of cards that you can be allowed to proxy. Everything else you had to own. So just like keeping that keeping that like requirement where a lot of East Coast has already transferred over 200% proxy finally, it's really rough for you to kind of flesh out a meta when half of the players aren't playing because they don't own the cards. So uh, right after Silicon Dynasty, Mike from Finch and Sparrow, which, who was actually selling cards and talking and interacting with the players at Silicon Dynasty, actually transferred over to 100% proxy friendly. So now that that is a thing, and now that basically any player with 25, 30 bucks is allowed to play at that level of competitiveness, I think we'll see as a consistent improvement in that way. And that's not to any of their faults at, in general. It's just a, a fact. Yeah. Something that we've always been adamant about in our episodes and key and like, we can talk about this a little bit is how, like when it comes to owning a game store, if you want to breed a community that's in touch and consistent, I think one thing that's true is that CDH players will always go to play CDH. Like if you run CDH at your store, they're going to get up and they're going to go play CDH because it's such a small community and there's very little places to go get consistent games if it's not online. And so if you make your store proxy friendly, you're going to get more people to come and play. And CDH players, even though like there's this proxy friendly mindset, they're still buying the damn cards. Like everybody wants to flex on each other. Everybody wants to buy cards. Everybody wants to get foil versions. I mean, Ben won Silicon Dynasty. He's buying foil vamp tutors and all this other shit. Like <laughs> players want the cards regardless. So don't create a barrier to entry that forces them to buy the cards because if you force them to do it, they're not going to want to. But if you incentivize them to come play and say, and I have all the cards if you want them, they're going to buy them that way. And I think stores are finally starting to catch on and realize like when you create a barrier to entry like that, people aren't going to engage or, or want to play. Yeah. And another thing like pro like allowing proxies um, does that encourages people to actually like go into the format. Like it, there's not like the gatekeeping of, you need to buy all these cards that maybe you can proxy the reserve list cards. You can just proxy it all. Then new players are more incentivized to try it, which is always good. Yeah, I don't think anyone should be forced to spend several thousand dollars to build a deck and learn that this isn't the format for them. Yeah. Like, it should be a free barrier to entry and a free barrier to exit. Um, my LGS started doing some CDH, but they weren't allowing proxies. And the same thing like no one showed up there's there were not enough players that just own their full deck yeah it's different for like formats like popper where like your deck is 20 to 30 dollars yeah but when your deck when like i mean shit my najila deck like non-proxied is like six thousand dollars like i'm not expecting someone to drop 6k just to play a game with me like that's not acceptable and so as more stores catch on to this i think more people will be involved but I, I was bringing this up kind of to show that like the west coast unfortunately hasn't had a lot of representation in our community <clears throat> specifically like the cdh community right 
And so when you have like a lack of this in-person presence and these things like that, the meta doesn't really get a chance to develop. And I know that there's a lot of servers on Discord for West Coast players and for that community to thrive, but it creates this problem where they um, they don't get the same exposure to the new ideas or the new decks as much as the other players in the community have, which is why I think it felt like they may have been behind the meta just a bit. Um, that being said, though, the West Coast really represented at Silicon Dynasty. When you talk about like the top 16 and how things broke down, like there was a lot of players that traveled to, uh, to you know, California to play in this event. And that, even though that was the case, a lot of West Coast players topped that event. Um, when you look at the top four, there was two local players that were there. Um, you had uh, players like uh, like Vasher, who are really invested into the West Coast meta, even though they're not from the West Coast. They play in those discords, and they're they're very uh, vocal with that community. And um, just like the top sixteen itself, the breakdown was really really cool, and we saw a lot of really really cool decks. So kind of like getting into that just a just a little bit here. Um, what were some things that you guys were surprised about uh, and uh, about the West Coast meta that you uh, maybe didn't expect to see or um, weren't exactly, uh, it kind of took you back, right? So Shauna, was there anything that you can think of? So Anthony came in with 20 points out of Swiss, which is four wins. Uh, Anthony E was the winner of the CCU tournament last year, uh, playing Mono Lutiferi Chainville. And so not only him winning CCU, I played at CCU and I never played against him, but not only seeing him perform so well, he was first throughout the entire day. Same as, uh, same as Silicon here. And to see him perform so well, you gotta like, as a person with pride in general, you have to reassure yourself and say like, this is Brewer's advantage. The only reason he's winning, the only reason he's winning so much is because people don't know what Mono Blue Teferi is doing anymore, just because it's so old and gross and disgusting. Anthony, I love you. I'm kidding. Um, but to see him consistently put up these numbers, it's not just Brewer's advantage to this point. It's the point where Anthony is so fleshed out with his deck and has so much, like, he has been playing this since Teferi came out. And to see his expertise really bring him through these rounds consistently and always getting to the top 16 is always cool to see. And then um, I, it was nice to see Nicholas Prado on Crux Sakashima. I haven't seen that deck perform super well. If, if Ken's not piloting it, piloting it, and that was pretty cool to see. And I think that's pretty much it in terms of the top 16. Um, Tim and Malcolm isn't that great, but I think that the reason they got up there was just because Ben's really good at coercing his opponents into doing stuff that he wants. It's nothing that the deck has to do itself. But yeah, Ouch. I, I heard that Ben is really good with his Riz. And so, like, you know, if he can just Riz his opponents into giving him the game it's a it's a strategy that josh from elder drunken highlander uses it's called flirting with the table if you flirt with the table good enough they will just hand you the game and ben's a master flirter i don't know if you know this shauna so it's incredible like, yeah so his riz game is so high that i mm -hmm. think that um he it, it, i will say that ben does more work than tim malcolm does for sure absolutely but, but um ben what, what about you man like what did you think about because you actually played in the event so like me and shauna we we got to see all the bracket breakdowns and all the players but for the games themselves, we were kind of limited into the games that we featured, and we only featured one game uh, around. And you played one game around. So, like, what what were some things that you noticed? Were there predominant decks that you saw a lot of that you didn't think you would see at all? Like, 
was there any takeaways from the event like that or maybe decks that you didn't see a lot of uh throughout the event i saw a few decks that i didn't expect to see um i like round one i played against brea and you really don't see that much brea anymore usually you just see tim necrom um they ended up taking it down with a um a, that round one with a bomberman loop and so credit to them they did win that game uh what else did i see i saw a i saw slicer twice <laughs> hey. the same player um, don't get excited <laughs> Dude, that's that's gonna be sick. i'm sure a, to uh, a topic of conversation um and uh the rug to vesh i have heard of that deck i knew that it was popular on the west coast uh but i've never played against it so i wasn't surprised but i wasn't um as ready as i would like to have been for that deck Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Rog Tavesh was definitely a big topic of conversation throughout the event. Um, During, for those before, after. Yeah, Rog Tavesh caused a, caused a lot of noise. <laughs> um, simply because it's a strategy that people has have known about. It's Rog Tavesh Prison. It's land destruction. It's trying to lock your opponent. It's like a soft lock on your opponents to to basically win the game with a Tavesh Ultimate, uh, as well as like a few other things. It's like Void Winnower. And uh, what's the other Sire card, Sean? Yeah, Sire of Insanity locks, like things like that. And so um, people have known about Rog Tavesh for quite a while. And recently, like leading up to Silicon Dynasty, it had made a lot of noise in the community because a lot of the West Coast players were bringing it to like the Chaos, uh, or not Chaos, the uh, Nexus Leagues and things like that, getting as many reps in with it as they can so they could bring it to Silicon Dynasty. So everybody kind of knew about Rog Tavesh a little bit. But then you got to see it in action, and yeah, it caused a lot of it, it created a lot of opinions for sure. Um, things about like the prison archetype, the strategy in CDH, how viable it is, and things like that. And it enables a lot of stuff. Rog, I mean, Rog in the command zone is a broken card, so yeah, that deck caused a lot. Something that I noticed from Silicon Dynasty was two things: one, the glaring lack of Winota. Um, throughout the entire event, I did not see Winoda at all. I don't even know if someone brought Winoda to the table. Even players there that at least two Winodas. But... Okay. Yes. All right. Yeah, so there's but... at least two Winodas. But even like players that I know, like historically, do play Winoda. Like like a friend of ours, Diggles, David Diggles. They brought Shorakai instead of Winoda when they've been playing a lot of Winoda lately. It's just like a lot of people just did not bring that deck with them. Whereas at Punt City it was overrepresented to the point where like four Winota decks or three Winota decks made top 16. Um, so that was a big, like glaring, like lack of representation there. Um, a big lack of stacks in general, I would say, which um, was uh, not, not, not a complete surprise. Cause I think the meta is shifting away from stacks, but like the, the main stacks deck that we got to see was really that Rog Tavesh prison, prison deck. Um, and then slicer. And we can get into Slicer a little bit here if you guys want. Kian, maybe you want to explain like what Slicer is. All right. So for those of you who don't know, what are you guys doing? Slicer, new meta. But so Slicer um, costs. So there's a backside. It's like Slicer hired muscle. It's four and a red, but you can cast Slicer for two and a red. Um, it comes in as a three, two with haste. First strike, if it deals combat damage, um, you flip it at their upkeep, an opponent of your choosing gets it, and it's goaded, and it has double strike and haste. I know this was the first, Silicon Dynasty was the first tournament that we saw Slicer at, and it put in some work. 
Um, ben, I'll toss this question from you because I know you actually played against it. How was like, what are your actual thoughts on it? Do you think it's a viable strategy going forward or is it kind of a meme deck that once people start playing Hydro Blast and Blue Blast, it just becomes irrelevant? So first I want to I want to point out one uh, small line of text that you missed because it's extremely relevant, which was that you can't sacrifice it once oh, yeah. it's been given to you. <laughs> <laughs> this may or may not have come up during the semifinals um, and almost came up during uh, my round three or four or whatever. Um, I think this deck is really interesting. It attacks on an angle we haven't seen before, which is putting so much aggression that the aggression itself is a stacks piece. Like... Uh, you see this in other formats where let's say you're being attacked by mono red, you can't just slam a big Teferi or some other planeswalker because you'll just, the, your opponent will untap and kill you. You're forced to spend all of your resources on interacting with them so that you don't die. And now you're seeing it with this deck where it is, a, it can kill you in, an, in a turn cycle. And so you're forced to spend your resources either tutoring removal or putting blockers so that you don't die. And you can spread around the damage around the table a little bit, but if if you're the threading one at the table, you may just die. And not only will you die, you'll die in a turn cycle. Like yeah. <laughs> you you won't even get to untap. You will just die. Uh, Slicer is pretty fun. It it makes aggro a viable archetype in CDH, which is something that people have been wanting for a while and not able to implement. Not only does it make aggro viable, it also makes Voltron viable. Something that we have not seen in CDH since Jessica Ishai, I would say. Uh, that was the first time that you really see like Voltron be given a chance. Uh, this makes like Voltron a real thing because you're all in on your one strategy, um, which is really cool. And as Ben kind of alluded to, you have the, the aggro itself is a stacks piece. We're at a point in CDH where life total is the most important resource that you have, even more important than mana in certain cases. So when you're restricting your opponents on their life total, uh, it, it affects the game in a way a lot greater than you would initially expect. Slicer was a deck that would be in Shauna Saw <laughs> when it made the top 16. It was probably one of the most exciting moments of the day. It was pretty fun because this is a deck that we did consider probably a meme. Uh, we thought it was kind of a joke. And then we saw it in action. And props oh. to Zachary, who was the one playing the deck. Um, they they were on a tight mulligan. And they didn't really get to implement Slicer in the best way possible. But just by casting a Slicer, that might have been the most fun game that I've ever been a <laughs> part of. Uh, what do you think, Shada? Would you agree to that? Or do you have your own opinions on Slicer? I absolutely love that game, and I think that Slicer has a spl splash ability to be, like, really scary the first time you see it, because you don't know what to do, and you don't, you're not prepared as a CDH player and a CDH deck to be hit by six every combat, <laughs> so it's not just something, it's not something you tech around, and especially with the prevalence of Timna in the meta, it's just an attacker that you can never get around, and it's an additional card that they get for free, so seeing that during Silicon was surprising and it was very scary and i was never happier to not be a player but at that point um well to that knowledge yesterday i was playing against it during mox masters and i realized that the only thing that slicer really has going for it is speed the point that you put it out from the command zone it, it only costs three mana so getting it out turn one or turn two is so easy but if you don't meet that quota if you are for some reason if you're respected like rock tivash or rock size respected it won't go anywhere because it needs to do combat damage to convert. 
and it needs to make a full cycle and come back and like the first cycle for slicer is so impactful because if it doesn't deal combat damage on its first turn it doesn't convert but if it does and it goes around the cycle again once it gets back to its original player's thing it turn? converts back yeah. yeah so once it makes that full turn cycle and it converts back and it no longer has any attacks because people have been able to put out blockers it becomes irrelevant i played mm. against it yesterday and i was in a winning position that entire game and literally my entire political involvement revolved around Slicer. I'm gonna counter that if you don't swing at me with Slicer. Like, I'm gonna kill your thing if you don't swing at me. If you don't swing at me, like, don't swing at me with Slicer, and I won't interrupt your game plan whatsoever. And I won easily. Like, Slicer did nothing because it never hit me. My opponents were at 16, making my curiosity loop so easy to perform, and I was at 40. So as long as you, as long as you have it on your radar and you control its opposition, it's really not that scary. And I think that we're gonna slowly start to see that aggression starts to kind of collapse, especially if we get into the case where we see two slicers on the field at one time. Yeah, something that is important to note there is that slicer very much falls into the mono red archetype, right? What does mono red do? Think about all the best mono red decks. Goto, Rionia, Slicer, even the new one like Jax, right? It's like, it's all aggro combat, right? So as soon as you eliminate combat from being viable in the game especially a commander centric deck um which might be an ill topic to bring up considering at the time of this recording goto just won mox masters <laughs> but like these mono red archetypes if you don't let their commander stick around or if you don't let them you utilize combat as a resource it's pretty easy to deal with Slicer, I think, is really fun because of the evasion that you can provide to it, the stacks that you play, and things like that. But also, it's very similar to Goto in the respect of like, oh, I'm just going to kill you really fast, put out a bunch of mono-red artifact stacks pieces, and uh, make you deal with it. So it's, uh, it's definitely an interesting deck that I'm excited to see. I just hope it doesn't... I think it's real and viable. Uh, I just hope it doesn't fall into the same tropes as these other decks. But... Like I just said, Goto just won a tournament. Like, what year is it? You know? <laughs> so, it was actually like, just Ryan playing. Oh, it was just Ryan. Yeah, just Ryan, like, <laughs> making it happen in a play with power tournament. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, like, the strategy, all strategies are viable right now. I mean, I don't know. Silicon Dynasty showed me, these, all these events showed me, CDH is in a really, really healthy space right now. And uh, I'm really happy to see where it's at. I think that a lot of strategies that people used to sleep on, you can play now. Shit. I mean, we saw Anthony take Chainville to Ferry, one CCU, and then they top 16 another event, right? We see Ben rizzing his way to first place at Silicon Dynasty. You know, um, there's just like a lot of cool stuff. We saw Vasher playing Malcolm Tana, a deck that people have been sleeping on for a while, kind of calling it unplayable. Quote, <clears throat> I don't know who, <clears throat> Zane. But, you know, there's just like a lot of cool strategies and viable ways for people to continue to play the game. Um, Blue Farm isn't just at the top of everything, right? I mean, it's still topping all these events, but it's not just taking over, right? So, I don't know. CDH seems really, really healthy, uh, and I'm, I'm really happy with it. Uh, in When we kind of talked about the top 16 a little bit deeper, um, Ben, or yeah, your 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 first pod in top 16 was uh kind of a hell pod um it, it had you alana who's a really really well-rounded player ian who is very consistent and has won a lot of events 
himself and then the slicer. So <laughs> do you want to kind of like talk about that game a little bit? And me and Shauna, we, we broadcasted that game. So we have a little bit that we can discuss as well regarding that. But uh, what were your thoughts about that pod? I mean, so going into the pod, that is that is absolutely a hell pod where, I mean, I'm, I'm good friends with Alana and Ian, and they're both incredible players. Um, Alana is forever cursed, unfortunately, to like always <laughs> lose in top 16 in a to game Ian. with Ian. <laughs> <laughs> I think it might be the third time, which is really, is just a testament to how consistently they both make top 16 and how fearsome competitors they are. Um, and then we have the slicer to just throw a clock on all of us and make sure that we're we're fighting a real fight in a pressure cooker. Um, uh, so going into that game, uh, it was really, really interesting because I keep a hand with a turn one Malcolm, and then Alana sees that I have a lot of mana out, and um, she, she taps her mana vault and plays a rock and develops her board. And I see she tapped her mana vault, and so I see she's gearing up for a slow game. Ian, unfortunately, mulled really low uh, on Tivit, kind of unfortunate. Uh, and uh, Slicer player goes Desperate Ritual into Slicer. And I I counter the Desperate Ritual because I see that Alana is geared up for a slow game. My hand isn't particularly fast. I want a slow game. I don't want to see the Slicer around. And then Alana does some really good like uh, uh, game understanding and Power Blasts my Malcolm right there because if we're both going for a slow game... And I'm going to be the number one competitor against her. And so we end up having uh, this game where neither of us have a particularly fast hand, but we're forced to have a fast hand because Slicer's coming down the next turn. Yeah. <laughs> this is, uh, this, that, that pod was just like, from, from the get-go, I don't know, it was so exciting for us to be able to view and us to be able to watch. And the chat, I mean, we had around, I think we had over 200 people in the chat at the time. And Shauna, I don't know if you remember, but people were going crazy. Like the game felt like it was Alana's. It felt like it was Ian's. It felt like it was Ben's. It felt like the table was going to lose to Slicer. It was just like, it was like the most exciting game of CDH I'd ever watched in a while. And like in the grand scheme of things, nothing really happened. <laughs> like Slicer was just going around and attacking the table. And and the other players had to just politic and play around it but for us i was like this is a freaking amazing this is peak cdh hey that so. miscast saved the game man otherwise slicer would have killed us yeah i know there was uh <laughs> is, is your dog playing with the door stop or is that yeah you definitely nailed that he just hits it with his tail he's so ridiculous but i mean it was an incredible game i mean looking at the vod it was an hour-long game and halfway through Alana was at 18 commander damage, Ben was at 12, and Ian was at 9. Like, And life totals were 12, 17, and 25. Like, Slicer actually owned that board, even having their initial game plan disrupted. And it's so weird to see, because you know that if you have like an off-meta kind of deck, if you have like a, a non-interactive aggressive deck in one corner, you know that you have a chance because the other players will be focused on stopping each other in the way that Alana had to deal with your Malcolm there, Ben. But when that happens, you gain such an advantage because it will always happen. The uh, The meta decks will always stop each other, and then you'll just be free to do whatever the hell you want. And that's exactly what he did. And that 
That's why chat was so crazy was because Slicer was presenting such a threat consistently and throughout the game, and he didn't have to cast any spells. They just halfway through the game, and the man has land, 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 rock, chrome mox, and Raftiger's cage. <laughs> That's yeah. all he's got, and his hand is empty. It's just Slicer. It makes me scared of that deck, because I've ne I, like... If that's what the deck can do on four cards, uh, I think, then what can it do on seven, you know? I mean, it, it feels a little bit similar to Malcolm Tim, though, where I'm only getting pretty aggressively to play a turn one Malcolm. They're doing the same thing with Slicer, except that Red is better at doing it because they have Desperate Ritual and Pyretic. Yeah, that's that's a really good point to kind of talk about, like... Like that was such a low mulligan, right? Like, like I, I think about you, Ben, and you're pretty lethal with four, right? And if I think about you with seven, it's, it's a scary thought, right? So, um, it's just like one of those things where, like, when you see a deck perform at such a high level with such a low amount of cards in hand, like when they do get to implement their game plan, when they do have the equipment, the enchant creatures, and the stacks pieces, like. Like that game could have been over a lot sooner, but like luckily, right for for your sake and for the rest of the tables, like you know the 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 better lucky than good kind of came up there, and and Slicer being Zach being on such you know low card count really played into the favor of the pod. Um, something also that you brought up, Shauna, is you you said you were looking back at the vods. All these vods are, are available on YouTube, so you can go back and you can watch every single game that we featured. You can watch. There's at least two games with Ben on there: the finals and the semifinals. So, like, make sure you go check those out because, like, it was an experience. Whether you were watching from home or playing in the event, like, it was a a good time. And uh, the games that we ended up streaming were absolutely wonderful. The pods ended up being amazing. Uh, the gameplay was really cool. Some insane wins, some crazy cool stuff. We watched like Anthony win with Chainfield to Fairy. We watched Ben win with a crazy mnemonic betrayal. Uh, like there's like all these like really amazing lines and things like that. So, you know, if you want to see them, go check them out on YouTube for sure. Uh, Sean has done some amazing work getting those edited and out so people could see it. But um Outside of like Slicer, right? Outside of like the West Coast meta and the gameplay from that, like from the besides the tournament itself, like what were some of the highlights of the weekend for for the two of you? Ben, you go first. I really enjoyed seeing people. I think that's the number one thing at these events is not the magic, but the gathering. And uh, I. Saw a lot of my friends that I have made on various discords at Punt City and made new ones. Uh, and some of my favorite moments were just uh, in the in the restaurant in the hotel and maybe playing some board games at night, playing uh, or just getting dinner with people. Really, just the personal connection. I'm I'm all about. Yeah, I think that my involvement in the community has definitely been subtle i don't like i'm not the most social person and making friends and meeting new people isn't the easiest for me but i kind of track my progress as a person at this point by how many people i recognize like as soon as i pull up um stop laughing at me i hate you guys um <laughs> if i pull up like the silicon dynasty standings i realize how many people i know at this point and it's really wonderful to know that I can tell you 
like more than 30 minutes worth of information at the, about these people just because I've interacted with, with them and I've seen their decks perform and I know what decks they, they play and I know what their playstyle is and I know their favorite food and it's so cool to just like every tournament I go to and every event that I attend, the list of people that I know gets bigger. The list of people that I can be like, oh, Anthony's in the top 16. I know Anthony. He beat my ass in CCU. And I know Callahan Jones. And I know Nicholas Prado now. Like, I know all these people and I can see them performing. And even though I'm 0-5, it still feels like I'm present at the tournament because these people are succeeding. Um, I lost to Zane yesterday. And at the same time, while I hate losing to Zane and it hurts my pride so much, I like to see him succeed and I like to see him make it to the top 16. And just having that friendship and that recognizability i had no idea who ben was <laughs> before silicon and i was like who's this fucking guy like winning all these games like i've yeah. never heard of him before <laughs> and i'm like oh it's this person and he has this weird group of addiction like just knowing all these things and making these relationships is the best part of magic and that's something that despite the fact that i may not do well at tournaments i will always have that you know yeah. so the more people you know and even if you don't go to punt city because you don't have a ticket you should go to just hang out because that's the best thing to do. Yeah, you can come yeah. cheer the Sad Nas boys on as well as the people on this podcast. So, come do that. yeah, no, this it's about the gathering, right? So, like that's like the most fun part. I think every event I go to, I go to as many as I can. I put my 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 funding into debt, support Sad Nas on Patreon, so I can keep going to events. <laughs> but yeah, I, just so I can go to these events, right, and have fun and hang out with my friends, right. So it's like a really good time. And th that is the best part. And yeah. Like, like I never met Ben before Pun City and just like you, Shauna, he rizzed his way into my heart. And so yeah. it's, it's just like, it's I just, really tried to like not let it happen too, but he's very insistent. I know. Right. It's just, it's ridiculous. And Riz like, I think I can still remember the first game I played with Ben, uh, Tim and Malcolm and he's trying to like convince me to draw the game so he can make top 16. And I'm like, oh, I don't know, but you seem like a really nice guy. I don't know if I'll make it on breakers. Like, sure. I'll take a draw so you can guarantee make top 16. And then the next game he mulls to one like a madman. <laughs> and, you know, somehow I feel like I got cheated. But that's okay because, you know, Ben's Riz is so high. He came and explained to me why it made sense. And I believe Ben. And so, no, but there's there's all these cool moments of, of these games. And you make so many friends that you would never make before, right? It's just like I met Kian through my local LGS, just playing games, right? And now Kian's one of my best friends. I've met Mikey and Zane and Shauna and Ben, all from local events. And I have this giant play group of friends or just group of friends that I can talk to, hang out, DM anytime I want and have a good time, even though we live sometimes thousands of miles away from each other. Ben is in France all the time. And I can still hit him up for Hanabi whenever I want. You know what I mean? So, and it's, you don't get these opportunities unless you go to these events and like, yeah, content creators are there and that's great. And you can meet people that are on YouTube, but the people that you compete against and play with, those are the people that I think are worth seeing, you know, like getting to talk to Alana about de deck decisions and mulligan choices and play lines and stuff like that. Like, that's an experience that you don't, you can't really get on discord. And sometimes it's not as fun, right? Like we went to dinner at some Japanese barbecue place, Shauna. Some That's Japanese barbecue place. It's called Yukaku. I told you guys the title of the restaurant like four times. Okay. It was still like super fun and super cool to be sitting at a table, with, like 16 other people while we're searing meat from a weird grill in the table. 
And... It's not a weird grill, it's just a grill. And also, you <laughs> only thought it was weird because you were drunk off of one drink. Yeah, that's because I'm, I was I didn't eat anything or drink anything for 16 hours so I could stream. I had like two Red Bulls. That's what I survived the day off of. You're a disappointment so... to Wisconsin. Go down to Illinois. Mm-hmm. No, it was, I had a few more. The night got more fun uh, as it went on, okay? But uh, anyways. But that's a part of the experience, right? Is like going out and having those experiences and having that fun. So I think like that's a great highlight of the event is like just being able to go and do that. And you get to see really cool things like people bringing their dogs into the venue and getting kicked out because yeah. <laughs> you can't have a dog in a hotel or like, that was great. Yeah. Just like a bunch of random things and, and fun stuff. So it's like, it's cool to go to these events and see what's up and like eminence is doing cool stuff. Like they have free play space now at all their events. So like if you're going to the tournament, you don't have to be competing. There's an entire room for you to just go and hang out and play with your friends. So just come on. Who you don't need a ticket. It's free to come inside and hang out. Just, just come and play. You know. But one uh, thing I love about these events also is when I get to see some really cool or unusual play. People being very creative. Um, and I was really happy that I got to show off one play like that on stream at the Pneumonica Trail at the end, using the bring to light to tutor the. Um, Yeah, I I felt really proud of that one. That one's also some weird interactions between like mnemonic betrayal and converge mechanic. And so I just love being able to show off weird, uh, quirky interactions. I'm a judge. So I, I, I I like the weird rules, niche interactions. Um, like at punt city, uh, I caused a draw and moved to game two because I could, and I couldn't win. And the next player would win. So game I remember, two. I remember that, right? There was like a, a consecrated Sphinx in play and a windfall. They had like 80 cards in hand. So you cast the windfall and everybody drew 80 cards and lost the game simultaneously, which isn't technically a legal game, like ending thing in tournament play. So you had to just replay the game. Like that's, that's yeah, really cool. I, uh, I love the moment where I asked the two players who had nearly their entire deck still as their deck how many cards they had in their library. And I asked the consecrated player how many cards they had in hand. <laughs> At that point, they figured out what I was doing and were just like really questioning what was going on. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, that is, that is really fun. We saw some, like some really cool and awkward plays just from the casting side too. So like some of those VODs, I mean, we learned about the Sugandi strategy. Listen, you don't we, have to bring it up every time. <laughs> we saw the archivist of Ligma. It was yeah, it was a really, it was a really cool time. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that, that is some of the best parts of these in-person tournaments. And I'm glad that like places like Monarch and places like Eminence specifically are running these events and making it possible for people to keep doing this because, uh, it really brings our community together and, and it's a great time. But before we move on, Kian, is there something Moving you'd like on. to share? <laughs> best segment of the show. Flavor text of the week. For those of you just tuning in or don't know where the segment is, it's where we, uh, it's where I try to stump you, you guys, the audience, and the people on the podcast with some challenging flavor text trivia. So if you'd like to participate, listen carefully and put your answer in our Discord in the Flavor Text Judge channel for a chance to win a free pack on us. I got, I got to get those sent out this week, so be prepared for that. So. Let's get started. I will start with you guys first. This is going to be a super uber challenging one. Totally not topical whatsoever. Um, ready? 
Yeah. Yeah. All right. Send it. Not all beautiful things are fragile. Slicer. <laughs> no? Okay. I thought it'd be Slicer for this sure. This one seems familiar, but I can't place it. Uh, all right. Uh, say it one more time for us. Not all beautiful things are fragile. It's like a yeah. French, you know, poem or something. I don't know. Wee wee. Wait, what? <laughs> no, not I'm not joking. all beautiful things can be fragile. Well, things are fragile. Oh, not all beautiful things are fragile. All right. So, if we don't know what it is off the top, the 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 way that we usually solve this is we start guessing easy to eliminate things like what color do we think it is it's not a counter spell those are all too snarky oh they it's have... definitely like <laughs> it's definitely um at command zone we made this like animation of henrietta where she was like talking about how like it's fashionable to be late for a party so it makes me think that it's like a legendary woman creature of some kind like it's it's definitely like a very woman thing to say, you know. So I want to say it's like a, a like a creature and it's like a human woman, but that mm. might be wrong. All right, what I'm placing my bet on is it is an artifact from Kaladesh block, and that's why it is beautiful and it's not fragile because it's an artifact. Uh, and that's that's where I'm placing my bet. Not all beautiful things are fragile. It's an artifact. Yeah, I, okay. I think an artifact from Kaladesh block. That's where I'm placing my bet. So it it's has to artifact. be playable. It has to be playable in CDH. So playable artifacts, beautiful. Is it? Oh, chain field to fear. Is it rings of bright earth? Oh, oh, damn! Get that boomer crap out of here. I don't know. I was trying to think. What's the artifact <laughs> that's CDH playable that I don't know the flavor the, text to? The only Kaladesh thing I can think of is um is Mox Amber, but it's not that. I think he's hinted to like three times it's not a Kaladesh. Not, it's it's not, not, it's not. I know, I know, it's not, it's not. Ben's just trying to riz you I into want, conceding. I just want it to be. <laughs> Changing the, the flavor text of an artifact yeah. in Kaladesh. Yeah. So it, it's gonna it's be, it's of, gonna be. Yeah. I don't think it's part of like the staple artifact in mana base either because if it's something that I run in Niv, I don't recognize that flavor text, and I mm. have basically my deck memorized, so I, I don't think it's part of a staple artifact. I can't wait for Shauna to be wrong, and then I really after hope confidently, that, be after confidently saying, I know all the flavor text in Niv, is it? It'll, it's, my deck is right here, so I will look at it. Um, is it Sensei's it's... Divining Top? No. I don't know what the flavor text is. I run Sensei's is. Divining Top. I don't know what that... Um, I feel like it's a maybe it's a it's a talisman that I don't run. Is it a talisman? Can is it oh, God? Is it, is it God Pharaoh statue? Nope. Uh, here's a new one. Uh, uh, dark steel relic or dark steel uh, something because they're indestructible, so they're something not dark steel. Oh, that's mm, yeah. No. Oh, but <laughs> um, he I said was, it like it was, was so close. Confident. He said it like it was close. Yeah. Um. Oh man. Damn. All right. So it's an artifact. Um. Not all beautiful what's the mana? What's the what's the CMC here? Oh, like... that's a CMC. Give us the CMC. We're begging. It can be fetched <laughs> off Urza Saga. Cool. Graph Digger's Cage. No, it's oh. not. Graph no, no, that's not Soul Ring. It's not. No, it's not Soul Ring. What? Uh, what can be fetched off a of Graph Digger's Cage? It's one or zero, right? It's one or zero. One or zero. And it's not. Oh, loaded. Chalice of the Void. No, that cannot be fetched that's, off that's Urza XX. Saga. 
No, that's multi kicker. It is zero. Yeah, you actually can. No, you can't. You, can fetch it, but it, uh, you have to fetch S. either a zero CMC or a one. It can't be. X. Yeah, it has multi kicker. It doesn't have. It is CMC zero. Don't ask me why. No. No, no. Adam said chalice of the void, not ever flowing. Oh, chalice. oh, I'm. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. My bad. All good. I'm thinking the wrong one. Is it ever flowing chalice? <laughs> oh, what? <Yeah>. No. <laughs> Oh, I gave you a hint at the I know, start when I started saying this. Adam was on the right track. The whole what? flavor text of oh, this Slicer? week is... Slicer? Is, 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 Slicer. Is, uh, Slicer theme. Slicer, Slicer theme. cards. What the fuck shit do you fuck. grab off a of Slicer that's one? It's really good. Zero. It's a really good. It costs one mana. It's an artifact. Mm, maybe we can't look it up. Wait, no, it's Slicer an equipment. Tech? It's not Bone it's Splitter. It's... It's... Swiftfoot boots does not Those cost two. one CMC. It costs two. <laughs> Lightning <please>. greaves. <laughs> I don't know what is what is it? What is it? A, what is it a one CMC equipment? Oh, hammer of Nizan. Or, or not hammer of Nizan. The other hammer, the hammer that kills oh, oh. you. And that's not Colossus hammer. The Colossus the, the, hammer. The one that uh, is indestructible. It it has a uh, reduced equip cost for commanders. That's oh, Commander Plate. Yes. Fuck. Oh, there we go. what there we the go. fuck? Right. Ding, ding, ding. Oh. Ben wins. Let's go. All right. Nice job, Ben. Nice job. Ben is still undefeated <laughs> since fucking Silicon Dynasty, man. Winning the flavor <laughs> text as well. Please is don't. that true? I think it is. It's not true. Yeah. Now Only because you have played games, Ben. I played the... two games. <laughs> uh, so now you got the one for the fans, right? Now yeah. the one for the fans, all right? So this one I can barely read, but let me zoom in. What does that mean? That means it's an old card. Oh, All right, so <laughs> there is no shame in solitude. The lone knight may may succeed where a where a hundred. Just go to Scryfall. <laughs> no, I gotta read the card. There is okay, no shame in solitude. Scryfall. The lone knight may succeed where a hundred founder. What you guys get? The lone knight may succeed where a hundred flounder. I think he's talking about the fish. But we no. can't. We don't guess. <laughs> we don't guess. This is for the people at home. Don't spoil. Uh, okay. I love. I would have no guesses I love, anyway. I think people just love this segment to watch Kian struggle to read flavor text. <laughs> I know. I loved it. <laughs> All right. So now that we've gone through the flavor text, Ben Zelobe, the champ, the people's champ, the French champion, the Man, the myth, the Riz legend. Um, Are you referencing Real Steel when you say the People's Champion? I don't know what Real Steel is. <laughs> so it's you're not movie. referencing Real Steel, the great movie from like 2009, but at the same time you know the term People's Champion from where? The People's Champ, the Champ Champ. It's a, <laughs> I don't know Conor McGregor. Who knows what that's My from? Conor McGregor <laughs> is not the people's champ. <laughs> <laughs> he might be. Who knows? Right okay, now, the people's champ is Ben Z. Loeb, okay? <laughs> so, Ben, you are the winner of Silicon Dynasty. You took home all the glory, um, all the clout. You're the clout champ. Um, what was that like, man? Did you, exp did you walk into Silicon Dynasty going, I'm going to win this event like it's nothing? With my Esper Malcolm list that I wrote the primer for two years ago or whatever. Absolutely not. I was I was in the camp of either maybe I'll win some games and I don't know, maybe I'll top sixteen, that would be awesome, but definitely don't expect it. 
or I'll lose some games and be able to hang out with my friends. Mm, that's usually the goal, right? We want to lose yeah. as quick as possible so we can O3 drop, baby, and then <laughs> <laughs> hang out with our friends and have a good time. So uh, I lost the first round, and okay, quickly going to that O3 drop, I get a buy. So unfortunately, I have to keep playing. <laughs> and, then, uh, and then I kept winning. I I'd never lost a round after that. I just kept winning. Even when I like offered a draw because I was happy with the draw for top 16, my opponents weren't in a position where they could do that. So we played, and then I just won again. And <laughs> that happened twice. I, I just kept winning. I love the idea of Ben because like Ben came up to me uh, round two, and he's like, I got the win. I'm like, what the fuck? It just started. And he's like, well, I got to buy. And then I was like, oh, okay, cool. And then just seeing his name at the top of the bracket for the rest of the event, I was like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah it was unexpected uh but um i'm happy to uh uh, uh win some games that was definitely pretty lucky i got really lucky with my seeding i was first almost every game uh and obviously in top uh 16 and finals i was seated to be first as well yeah the nice thing about eminence events is that uh you when you get into the cuts for brackets like top 16 whatever your seating is at the end of the swiss rounds that determines your seat position for the rest of the game so if you're the highest seated person in your pod you will be going first in the game it gives you an advantage it awards you for being good it awards you for winning if you want that advantage or you don't like it get better and get good scrub so uh <laughs> that's like nice because if you end up first in the swiss rounds you're first in all your pods for top 16 and top four if you continue to win. So it's a really nice advantage to have. And, it, and I think winners should be rewarded and losers should be punished and removed from the game. That's why I don't play. Wow. I cast. <laughs> yeah, you get punished <laughs> regularly. <laughs> Definitely believes your, uh, your, your ideas. Yeah, 100%. Um, so when it came to your, your pods, what were some of the... The, the the pods that you um, played in, like, like you, you lost round one, you said to a Brea player, right? Uh, yeah, that was uh, my only loss. Uh, I'm going to pull up some of my uh, pods. I wrote down what I was playing against. Um, and so round one I was playing, uh, I was going first, and I was playing against, uh, it was me, uh, Kirk Sakashima, the player that made top 16, uh, Thrasio Stargo, and Brea. And uh, that was an interesting game because I saw an opening to win. I was pretty sure I would be stopped, but the situation wasn't getting better. So I went for it, and the Thrasios Dargo player had the answer. So that was my one loss for the whole event. Uh, right afterwards, the Brayer pay a, a one. Mm. The old trope of winning first means you lose first. <laughs> yeah, I, it's, I, I still stand by going for the win there. Didn't work out well. Can't be too results oriented. Yeah, and uh, that's that. <laughs> After that loss, did you feel? Were you kind of uh, a little perturbed going into the future rounds, or did you chalk it up as like, eh, round one loss? Oh well, it's better to lose early than it is to lose late. I, uh, you know, I'm gonna move on to the next game. Or were you like, man, that's it? I threw the tournament, lost one game. <laughs> I think something that really helped my mental uh, state right there was that at Punt City, I made top 16, and I lost my first round. So I knew this was not detrimental. It's totally fine to lose a game. 
I didn't feel like I misplayed at all, so I just tried to keep my head straight and move to the next rounds. Yeah, which just, was the buy. <laughs> yeah, it's just par for the course, right? You lose the first one and we make the the next ones. Me and Kian have the problem where we lose a game, we're like, ah, that's it. Tournament's fucking over. We just we drop. threw. Yep, we might as well let's go get some, you know, some cheesesteaks and go relax or something. <laughs> well, it's usually because we mess up uh by ourselves it's not because other people had answers yeah we usually <laughs> we usually <laughs> lose to ourselves uh uh so then moving on then from round one you got the buy in round two and then round three and four you're pulling down some wins what were those pods like were, were they pods that you walked into like i'm probably winning these or did you have to fight pretty hard to get some of these wins um the round Three, it was me, Kinnan, uh, the Slicer player that I saw in semifinals, Zach, and the Tasker player. And this game quickly became a game of just me versus the Kinnan player. The Slicer was beating down, but eventually got removed, so he had a little bit of space. <clears throat> I think the Kinnan player should have won that game, but I was able to... Uh, they let me remove their whole Breaker Horror, or phase it out, because they thought they would could stop me from winning that turn, but uh, I had enough protection that I was able to win that turn and never let their Hullbreaker Horror phase back in. Um, round uh, four was uh, Blue Farm, then me, then Vasher on Malcolm Tinda, and the Kenrith player from uh, the uh, finals. Final pod. So oh, we had so... three of the uh, finalists in this pod in round four. Uh, I think... Uh, the blue farm player went for a turn one wheel. I had a gemstone uh, caverns and an e tutor, so I could still turn one to Malcolm and drew a pretty good hand uh, off the wheel. So I ended up getting a very fast start and uh, uh, was able to put together some sort of win. Nice. So then uh, we we obviously heard about your last game. Uh oh, did we lose Shauna there? Uh, Hello. Hey, your webcam turned off. Are you all good? I think I'm fine. I see myself, but I'm not really relevant to this area anyway, so I think we're, uh, we're just keep going. So then yeah, uh, um, when uh, your final your your final game we heard uh, of Swiss was you, you know, elected for a draw. They did not take it, so you just ended up crushing their dreams and winning the pot anyways. <laughs> And then your top 16 game, we broadcasted to everybody. It was on the, it was the feature match of the stream. And we saw that was the game with Slicer. We saw that that had Alana and it had um, Ian. Uh, Ian in it as well. And uh, you guys really battled it out there and really took that one down. And then going into the final pod, that final four, did you feel any sort of confidence knowing that you already beat the three, the two of the other players in the pod with you? <clears throat> So, uh, I know Vasher is a very good player. Um, a while ago, I've played with him a lot, so I uh, knew that I couldn't put my guard down with him. Very strong player. The uh, Rog Tavesh player, I have never played against that deck, so I was a little bit wary. Um, and that's why we ended up splitting the pot before the finals. Um, uh, and then the Kenrith player, despite me having beat him... Uh, he never really was a player that game. That turn one wheel left him with no lands and no fast mana. So he waited three turns, played a land, and then died. Um, so that's not representative of their skill at all. Uh, and so I 
I definitely couldn't put my guard down. I think that these players, if they made it here, they must be very good. Yeah, that's good to note. I was curious because, you know, sometimes you have, sometimes players can get a uh, sense of false confidence being like, well, I've already beat them once, I can beat them again. And the amount of variance that happens in 100 card singleton and CDH in general can lead to so many different scenarios. And like, you know, I can sit around and be like, yeah, I can be Kian any day of the week. And then we go to a LGS tournament and he waffle stomps me into the ground <laughs> with some blue farm shenanigans, you know, playing my deck better than I play my, play it myself. You know, like that stuff can happen, right? So I was just curious if you felt that sense of confidence or if you were very wary or cautious. And it seems like you're kind of a cautious player when it comes to sitting at the table, that you're... um trying to be very methodical about your plays, make sure that you play around everything as best as you can, except for instances where you have like a slicer and you try to diabolic intent it to go tutor for something. With a dress down and play. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think with new decks like that, it's very easy to run into niche uh, rules situations. And that card is definitely templated in a weird way. And seeing it for the first time, when you read it, you make some mental shortcuts on how it works. Mm -hmm. And I... Don't, I mean, I think I should have known uh, that interaction as a judge, but with all the pressure and stuff, I really don't fault myself for missing that. Uh, uh, it, it didn't cost me the game. I'm very fortunate, but uh, that's, yeah, that's, that's how the cookie crumbles, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's how the baguette falls, right? And so. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's really cultural of you, Adam. Nice job. Thank you. Thank you. I'm very considerate. Um, so then, once you finally get into that, that final spot obviously some crazy shit happens right like the the rog tavesh players putting some crazy shit on the stack you see a void winner get hard cast that game the whole table is just like moaning and groaning trying to figure out how to play around it there's a glenhorn buccaneer that has been cast which had been phased out that is coming or no has been bounced to hand which is going to be recast with the malcolm in play for vasher to try to win the game which kind of shuts off a lot of interaction now that there's a void winner we're out. Like were, were the moments like this, like really concerning for you at the table or was there a lot of table talk that kind of put you at ease in these moments? Or were you like, Oh my gosh, we're going to lose this game. I was more in the boat of, Oh my gosh, we're going to lose this game. I mean, even <laughs> once my lands were destroyed, I'm like, they see me as such a threat. Cause I kept for seven, but it's mo- mainly because I just had to turn one Malcolm. It's not like I had the best hand ever. Um, like, if I would keep a four with turn one uh, Malcolm, if I have a, tur- a seven as turn one Malcolm and a little bit more than Churl, that's I'm perfectly fine with that. The name and of your so deck is... It's terrifying with the Void Winor. <laughs> yeah, the name of your deck is Mulling for Malcolm, right? Like, that's... <laughs> yeah, I, I try to make it very clear that that is my uh, brand with that deck. You want You value mana over a lot of different things, and... Unless you have a turn on Malcolm or something that is equally or more powerful, you mulligan the hand. Yeah, mm-hmm. that makes. And a that's lot how of you sense. end up on one card. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> Maybe I'll get a jeweled lotus. Who knows? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Or um, keep Remora in top deck of land. Yeah, know? something, something. You know, but, what, um, that's a total Ben Ben way of thinking. The amount of <laughs> well, we only played fun games when I play with you, but every game you had the absolute nuts. Mull the like three and four, like it. Luck sack. Yeah, yeah the, games, the games we played, uh, uh, I, I got very lucky in a number of them. Although, so did you. 
I, mean, I didn't Kevin win a single game. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I thought you won all the you won games with my deck. That's, <laughs> I was like, what are you doing? Kev, uh, ben is the only person I've seen uh, that's so good at the game. He made Kevin take his pants off in frustration <laughs> to Forcibly. how good he was. Yeah. <laughs> my favorite was when I was uh, I Mikey is walking by and I show him my hand and I'm like, do I keep this? And I just show him turn one Nas on the like going seconds. <laughs> and my my turn one opponent goes gamble discard force of will and I'm like yeah sure <laughs> <laughs> yeah I like I like that play I like that play um man those are yeah those are that was some fun times so yeah and then when you finally take that pod down right with the mnemonic patrol uh, that was the pod where you won with mnemonic patrol which you know yeah, funnily right. enough gets through void winner and with the lines that you play in Malcolm Timna un like ironically they're kind of built to play around a void winner with the doomsday package, mnemonic betrayal, some of the ways that you can play the game, you can play around like a couple stacks pieces like that. But the way that you assembled your win was incredible because you, you, you used the mnemonic betrayal to cast a uh, bring to light for five CMC to be able to cast your Thassa's Oracle, which traditionally is two CMC. Without blue mana. <laughs> Without blue mana, which is pretty sick. And then you had, I believe, the consultation in hand, right, to pull that one off. Uh, I diabolic intended for the uh, the consult to put it in hand. Yeah. I realized I made a small mistake on that turn that I thought was very funny. I cast Jessica's Wilf with both modes because I had my commander out. It would have been better for me to only use the mana mode because if I hit Thassa's Oracle, it would have been a little awkward because <laughs> now I don't have blue mana. Uh, yeah. There was still a line to win, which required demonic tutoring for LED and sacking LED for three blue. <laughs> a little bit more high risk, but... <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. So, like, with the silence, I'm probably fine, but there are, there are chances that something could happen. And, uh, yeah, so I should have cast the Jessica's well with only one mode. Which yeah, I realized as soon as I like did it, I'm like, wait, now it's too late. Yeah, no, that's funny. And people sometimes, I mean, you forgot, right? That like you you can choose how many modes you want to cast it for. So even though yeah. your commander is out, you can choose to cast it with one mode. So that's kind of a funny, funny uh, line there. But yeah, I mean, you cast that bring to light. You got your Thoracle in play. You play the consultation, and then you you ended up winning the tournament. How good did that feel? Was there like a big relief weight off your back like what was that moment like so uh it was it made me really ecstatic that i could win with mnemonic betrayal it is has been one of my maybe my favorite card in cdh for a very very long time um at least two at least two and a half years now um like i own a bunch of foil copies it's just one of my favorite cards mm, we're specking um, eh? we're specking on some mnemonic betrayal <laughs> no, it's, it's just beautiful it's underrated it's incredible i think if you're playing blue black you should be playing it full stop um i think uh so in that moment it was maybe really happy that i could use mnemonic betrayal and the fact that it was a really sick line with bring to light um like a card i've never cast in cdh before because i never played like cody or anything yeah, bring to light um, new newly found Najila staple. <laughs> That's true. That's true. And so uh, that was really incredible. And it also felt really, really incredible. As soon as I put the win on the stack, as soon as I put silence and silence resolved, I could heal, hear all my friends cheering from the other room. Uh, that was that was really amazing. I mean, at some point they just they saw the whole line that I did, and they knew. With exactly the plays that I was doing, that I saw the same thing they did, and yeah. 
at some point they burst into the room and I, I, watching that VOD definitely makes me a little teary eyed. Yeah. I mean, that was a moment for me and Shauna that I think was really amazing to see is that when you finally win the game for, for once me and Shauna, I don't think we're smart enough or know enough about the deck for us to have been able to see the line. We're like, what the <laughs> fuck are we doing here? Like mnemonic betrayal. I don't see where the wind comes from. Maybe we get two tutors off and then you cast the bring delight. I'm like, Oh, this guy's big brain. This guy knows what's going on. <laughs> and so it was one of those moments that was really, really surprising for us. Um, and uh, it was super cool to see. And the nice thing about our setup is we were able to cut to the the view of you guys as the players and see all your friends bum rush you and <laughs> and cheer you on and give you hugs and congratulate you on the win which i think was a really cool like like really heartwarming moment uh and it really showed like your riz in the room you know and it was, <laughs> it was really special to see and uh yeah i mean we we had like the stream live in another room uh, so that way you guys, your game could be quiet. You could focus. You There was no distractions. You could just hear like, Whoa! all the cheering when the wind was <laughs> yeah. put on the stack. It was just so cool and like really impressive. Uh, Shauna, I don't know if you remember that moment, but I, I thought it was really fun. Yeah, I remember I, um, you know, you know how females hate each other. I'm just going to start. I'm just going to start with that. Uh, so playing with Alana, um, I didn't, I, I knew her as a Twitter personality before I like, played with her and i knew that she was always top succeeding and i knew she was really good and then um and the i played against her at oko and ended up, i ended up losing to her after doing like i basically lost to her because my submerge wasn't online and i couldn't like my opponents didn't have a forest and i was like really fucking pissed about like the random like rng of that and how i lost because of fucking that reason and um just seeing her as like a very like intelligent respectable player and like she like doesn't like show her emotions a lot see her just like freak the fuck out and just like rush ben and like be <laughs> like his biggest supporter in that moment it was just like holy fuck like alana is not just like this like stone cold like incredible player she is like a, a member of the community and she's like ben's friend and stuff like that and she's like truly excited despite losing in top 16 just like that moment for me seeing like alana's other side was really cool mm, yeah ben it was uh it was like just i because like i'm friends with ben i've known ben for a while and it was super cool to see that i was like i wanted to run out the stream room and be like oh my god <laughs> you pulled it off right and uh it was like it was a it was kind of a, a little bit of a of a tough game like there was a little bit of animosity at the table right there is uh like peter and vasher there was a lot of politics and people getting a little upset with each other it's so, like the game got really tense at certain points and to see that big wave of relief come over you, I thought was really cool and was really fun to be a part of. I think one funny moment at the end of the game that, like, I don't know how much people caught is every time I resolve Mnemonic Betrayal, at the end of the game, I'm just like, please, I don't want to steal your cards. Make sure you count your deck. <laughs> I'm taking people's cards. I'm casting them. I put them in my own graveyard by, like, just... By habit, hey, when yeah. you cast a card, you put it in your graveyard. Or just have it. And then you realize, wait, this is your card. So, like, as soon as I win, you just see me counting cards <laughs> and making sure that I'm not stealing people's cards. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. No, that was, uh, that was, that was like, that was definitely like a super highlight of that weekend was just like watching that win. The stream had like 300 people watching it, 350 people. We were like all hyped. We were like, this is it. The winner's on the stack. He's got to do it. And then, like, you could hear the background cry. It was just, like, such a cool moment. Like, this is some, that's the part about these in-person tournaments that you cannot 
replicate. Like you can't replicate it online. Like as cool as online tournaments are and how fun they are for the community, like these in-person events are just on a whole nother level. And it really like, it makes it feel like CDH is real. Cause like, let's be honest with ourselves. This is a fake format, right? Like it's just <laughs> a group of people were like, let's play competitive EDH and we're going to run events and it's going to be whatever. It makes it feel like very real and, and very fun. And I'm very, very grateful for, for like eminence and, and other event organizers and just like how that stuff kind of plays out because I don't know, that's, I think that's really cool. Um, and then before we kind of like wrap up and end here, I want to ask you, Ben, how did you prepare for this event? Because you won um, the whole thing, right? Yeah. Like you had to have been prepping for months, just testing relentlessly <laughs> to win, right? So, so I played pretty much every game except CDH. Um, <laughs> Like, I, I don't know if I've played a game since uh, PAX or Oktoberfest, whichever was uh, later. I, uh, and uh, I, I, yeah, I played very few games. I was mostly playing Hanabi, RuneScape, um, maybe some Slay the Spire, playing mm, some other yep, stuff. Yep. Um, and I, I was debating between playing Malcolm Timna and Armix Krom, and I ended up just picking Malcolm Timna because I have way more experience. And it seems to have paid off. I think that in all of my matchups, uh, almost all of them, I would have preferred to play Malcolm Timna. Yeah. I mean, in our play group that we, we play with pretty often, uh, everybody's converted themselves into Hanabi players now after your <laughs> win. Basically just trying to get as <laughs> smart mentally as possible because clearly Hanabi has you know, made you uh, the people's champ, the champ champ, the tournament champ. Uh, from all your years of prepping, like Hanabi, one-handed Rubik's Cubes, just all these different things that just like fuel your your brain power, your five-head, you know, ability in game. So uh, that's that's something to know. Like if you want to get good at CDH, play Hanabi, play Slay the Spire, um, you know, sometimes dabble in a little Overwatch here and there. But other than yeah, that, a little bit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't play Overwatch. Don't do that. <laughs> this is this is these are clearly the keys to success in CDH. Yeah. And so I'm glad that you're sharing Just anything this. but CDH. Yeah, I'm glad you're sharing this with the world because like people need to know like how you win events, and this is clearly how you do it. Um, you know, hang out with your friends, eat food whenever you can. And, uh, you know, just uh, maybe be a level one judge. That probably helped a little bit, too. Um, probably. <laughs> but, uh, no, I thought that was, like, I thought that was really cool. Um, and, like, you kind of have, like, a long history with C uh, EDH or, or Magic in general because, like, you were president of your Magic Club in college, too, right? Yeah, that's right. For a few years, I was in charge of the club. Uh, the club even was, like, sending us to SEG events and uh, – it was it was a, a pretty good uh, system we had. Yeah, and that 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 club is what it's the Drexel Magic Club, right? That's what it's. Yeah, that's it right. Uh, okay, so for all the other all you other college you know Magic players out there, whether you play at uh, like Queens MTG or anything else like that, keep an eye out on the Drexel Magic Club because these guys are winning <laughs> events, they're winning tournaments, so so you got to keep an eye out for that. But other than that, like, um, congratulations, Ben. Like, I think mm -hmm. that's from all of us. Like, it was a great, it was a great event. You did a wonderful job piloting your deck. Um, I guess I do have one more question, and that is, do you think there's more value in playing the deck that you know the best as opposed to playing the deck you think is the best? I think once you're playing one of the, like, what you think is the best top 10 decks, at that point, you should play what you know. Um, uh, if you're playing a bad enough deck, it doesn't matter how well you know it, you're still going to just get trampled by the really, really good decks. 
Mm. So you are saying that you believe that Malcolm Timna is a top 10 deck in CDH. I think so. I, I, I'm going to give myself that. Okay. All right. We've won an event with it. So then, ooh, coming off of yesterday, is Godo a top 10 deck in CDH? No comment. <laughs> of course. Awesome. <laughs> well, unless you guys have anything else that you'd like to add, I think we're going to move to the cleanup step and wrap up this episode. Does that sound good? Yeah. Sounds pretty good. All right. So for the cleanup, again, we would like to thank all of our high-tier patrons. So thank you to Doot, Doot. Usable Object, <laughs> Senator Tom, <laughs> Scorish, the big man himself, Jeff Bezos, Unorthodox Bird, <clears throat> Domino, Geos Justin, and our two Chad Nas patrons, Just Ice and Valhalla C. Thank you guys so much for the support. Support from our patrons is what makes us here at Sad Nas continue to make content. So thank you guys for supporting. And if you would also like to support us, you can at patreon.com sadnaws where you can get all of our amazing perks, tiers, and cool special colors of your names on Discord. That's like the most important part, right? So you can flex on everybody else in the Discord. So make sure you support us on Patreon. Speaking of Discord, if you haven't already joined our Discord, what the fuck is wrong with you? Okay. <laughs> like, I'm serious. All right. Even oh our God. very own Ben Z Loeb, he just fucking joined today. And I'm going to go home. I'm going to find his location. I'm going to leave an angry comment on his front porch because he should have been in this Discord months ago. And you need to be in it too. If you're listening to this content, I'm putting the Discord link in the in the in the Spotify, in the Apple description, in the YouTube description. Come join it. Come hang out. We play games. We're from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. We run local events. I'm opening up a game store. There's so much cool shit that we could be talking about that you're missing out on because you're not in our Discord. We're talking about so Hamter. On. You could shit post. You know, it's basically everything you want in a Discord. We're also yeah, tell me where my deck is bad. Oh yeah, we're also the the leading creators in financial advice in cdh <laughs> oh my god so if you want to learn about how to spend your money poorly in poorly. this card game yeah. listen, to, listen us, to okay? kevin about how to spend your money on uh specs and uh bad foils come to our discord and talk speaking about of it. we did an episode where we told you to spec on mnemonic betrayal foils True, and nobody listened it was me nobody listened nope. to us. you said it was a bad idea adam don't even don't even ride my tail my coattails on this one. Listen, my it's, opinion changes as soon as somebody comes up with a better idea. from five months ago. Smart. <laughs> it's all Ben's so, fault. Good job, Ben. Yep. So Thank you. join the Discord. Have some fun. Hang out with some people. You can at Shauna. You can talk about how bad Niv Mizzet is. She's in the Discord. Just let... I will not take that well if you do that. <laughs> I'll, be, I'll become very angry and slighted yeah, towards you. You can tell oh. Shauna why Krug Sakashima is the best is it deck. She's there to listen. So just... <laughs> She's here <laughs> to so hit us up. <laughs> so... I win that matchup every fucking time. Don't give me that shit. Listen, and then you can get rizzed by Ben Z Loeb. Ben's there to rizz everybody. Let him flirt with you <laughs> and so win true. the game. Like he, He's there. <laughs> so let's see it happen. And finally, whether or not you're listening on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, any of those silly podcast apps that send us emails all the time about joining their podcast app. 
Make sure that you like, subscribe, leave a comment, drop us a review, or, or share us with your friends because it helps us grow our channel. That's the big thing. If you like what we do, you think we're funny shit posters, share us with your friends. Be like, hey, look at these shitty dudes. I mean, share our videos. We're on CDHTV throwing games for content. Go hey. share those videos with your friends. It's, it's a good time. And uh, other than that, I think after our begs and pleas, we're going to end the episode here. <laughs> So thank you so much to Shauna, Phantom Legion, and Ben, Mr. Ben Z. Loeb, for joining us for this episode of the Sad Nas CEDH podcast. We hope to see you again. Congratulations on your win, Shauna. Congratulations on an amazing cast. Your first time casting, you did a wonderful job. And uh, we'll see you next week. Bye. <laughs> Bye.